This is the voice of Toby Haydock. They'll never find the body. first costume designer of my quest is up next. I'm not just trying to cover every story. It'd be nice if all departments got a look in as well. Of course, I'd be more than happy knocking back lattes with character actors for the whole thing, but uh, I'd be foolish if that's all I was after, as my next chat, which was uh, presaged by a flurry of emails warning me that I might not get the answers I wanted, and then a delayed train, and then a series of unanswered messages due to my victim uh, leaving her mobile phone at home. Oh, it could have been awful. But, thankfully, due to the lady in question, it certainly wasn't. Okay, well, I'm in. Uh, I'm in BAFTA. Um, I'm not a member. I've been brought in under a Trojan horse to uh, speak to somebody who's waited for me for an hour because of train trouble. So it's with gratitude that I ask, "Who are you, and why am I talking to you about Doctor Who?" I'm Christine Rawlings. I was costume designer for the first four stories that John Pertwee did. I think starting in 1969. Is yep. that right? Yes. Um, well. That's it for a starter. Well, and I have to say, it's only fair that you sent me a very nice email which said, and I paraphrase, um, thanks for getting in touch. I'm sick to the back teeth of Doctor <laughs> Who. Uh, of all my, I, I loved all my time at the BBC, apart from the year I spent on Doctor Who, but I'm still more than happy to talk to you. So thanks for that. But um, why, why the qualification of poor old Doctor Who? Well, I think it was the way it was organised. Um, after the year I did, it was never the same. For instance, I did four on the trot. So I filmed, uh, I was on, on uh, the set all the time. At the same time, I got the script for the next one. We then had four more studios. And so, in other words, I had um, filming, new script, design, uh, uh, still, still on the first one, preparing the second just finished the first, preparing the third, still hadn't finished the second, so it was chaos. The result was, in all honesty, I did it badly, and I'm quite ashamed of it as far as design's concerned. So I don't remember it with affection. I didn't particularly get, well, I didn't particularly get on with uh, John Pertwee. Uh, that's my fault, not his. He was uh, very professional. He was um, a perfectionist, put his nose in every pie in every department. But anyway, he was professional. It's, well, it's interesting and, uh, that some Pertwee is always considered to be very debonair, and I, I believe to the first photo call he brought some of his own stuff with him. Now, that, that can be a two-way street for a costume designer. Do you want somebody that's got their own ideas, or would you prefer a blank canvas of somebody who didn't care? Well, a lot of people have told me things about, the first, um, about him bringing his things. I don't recall this at all. Whether he took them to the producer, um, or whether I've forgotten, I don't know. Um, I remember going to the tailor and I remember talking about talking about it but and he, somebody said he bought his own shirts You're, really I have no recollection of this but I'm not saying it didn't happen but I have no recollection of it and so what, what are your thoughts when um, uh, you know creating a design for a character like Doctor Who who's been through space and time and is played by a very tall distinguished man with a shock of white hair what was your approach to the costume um, well obviously you don't put you never put um, an actor in a costume they would refuse to wear. I mean, there's always a, a big element of compromise. He certainly had an idea about... Um, I, I think his idea was wearing the 
cloak or whether it was maybe it was wearing the dinner jacket the velvet dinner jacket we put him in whether that was his idea um, but I think between us and the tailor we came up with with what happened you know with what we, we ended up with but it wasn't I can, can't remember him um, deciding it deciding it all I, I really have no recollection of that at all I'm not just saying it because I'm a costume designer but I don't recollect that at all um, after I think I think the next year he was redesigned, wasn't he? I, I yeah. think he he was redesigned. I don't know who did it then, but um, I think he found quite from practical point of view the cloak was a pain in the neck because of course a cloak, as you know, drags you back, and he was sitting in that tiny little car, and he was strangled by the you know the things that go around the neck. I don't think it was a very practical. Then the cloak certainly wasn't practical at all. Um, and I think the velvet dinner jacket happened to be fashionable at the time. People weren't wearing their black DJs. They, were, they wore velvet ones. They're a bit naff, actually. But it, you know, it was fine for Doctor Who. But, uh, again, I can't exactly remember that, uh, what everybody says about that. And why do you think you had this chaotic... Because you were the only costume designer, apart from Daphne Dare in the first year, but that was back in '63, to have been lumbered with a whole season. Was that because people thought it would be more efficient having one costume designer? Um, I suppose they thought of some sort of you know, cohesion or whatever. But I think they find it was just ridiculous because you hadn't got enough time to do it. And, of course, it got more and more ambitious. And, uh, you know, I don't know how long the film was. I think we always had a fortnight's filming and weeks filming. I, I can't remember now, you know, it's a long time ago. But you simply can't do two Doctor Whos at once and produce a good show, I don't think. And um, if we take them individually, um, it's, we were just talking about the digitisation uh, of Spearhead from Space, which um, was clobbered by a strike, so all shot on film. But I suppose that didn't make much of a difference to you. didn't make any difference to me, no, because um, I was very much a new girl. I mean, it, I remember being given the job. I'd just joined the BBC and I had done um, a Z cars. And I was hauled in and said, well, we're going to throw you in at the deep end. You're going to do Doctor Who. And I nearly passed out. I could I was... But quite apart from hating science fiction, as it was there, it was called, um, I was absolutely terrified. But I thought, well, I, you know, I've got to see it through anyway. But um, yes, that that well, we had terrible trouble because they had those funny sort of mask things on, which had to be covered with makeup, and all the makeup got all over the collars and all over the all of the front of their. Um, denim what's a jumpsuit what do you call those yeah, things the the boiler suit the things boiler the boiler suits, suits yeah. yes oh it was absolutely terrible um i thought it was actually really rather arbiter I, lo- I looked at it the other day and i was really embarrassed goodness because it's one i think that um, fans would say because of it's all shot on film it actually probably looks a lot better than most of doctor who that surrounds it but do you think but did they notice the makeup on the collars they're going to notice it more when it's digital digitized i mean they're going to see it much more clearly yeah, it's, um, it's alien it auton wax bleeding. I yeah, think. don't really. Oh, oh God. <laughs> and uh, of course, as, uh, alongside John Pertwee was, um, his, you know, a break in the mould of assistants in that she was uh, clever. She'd been to Cambridge University. She was a very clever scientist and wore loads of miniskirts. And that was Caroline John. Yes, well, Caroline John was lovely. She really was. She was. She was absolutely marvellous. Um, I don't know what, how she got on with John Pertwee, but. Um, that's none of my business, but uh, yes, she was great. She was like a breath of fresh air. Right? It was, it was a joy. To, she was a joy to work with. And would she have brought ideas to the table, or was she happy to, for you to just? She was ha- quite happy to go along with me. Yes, quite happy. And yeah. did, did, did you have a certain pressure put upon you to make the female assistant uh, quite glamorous? 
uh, and, and bring in the dance, or does that was that not? I don't. I don't recall any any um, influence on that. I just went ahead with it, and uh, it was accepted. Must have been accepted by the producer. Yes. Yep. No, I don't remember any of that at all. And ne- next up after Spearhead, you had uh, Doctor Who and the Silurians, which was set in the caves and had the tall li- walking lizard men. That was. That was very interesting because special effects insisted on doing the heads because of the bleep thing in the front. And so we did the bodies. And, um, of course, every time they moved, there was a join. And John Pertwee went bananas every time he saw them because every time they moved their heads, you could see the join. You, know, you could see that you know, they weren't all, all in one. The actors nearly passed out, and I think every five minutes they had to, they had to get out of their heads. It was, they were a nightmare, actually, really a nightmare. And they didn't, they didn't look good. Really, I, I don't think they look good. Whether any, anybody, fans probably thought they were marvellous, but no, terrible. But my thought, you see, with, with, with design work and science fiction, is that for somebody that is used to sort of designing contemporary costumes mm. or researching period costumes, mm. does not the futuristic suddenly give your imagination the freest reign imaginable? Um, no. No, I don't think so, because I... Not for me. I mean, I've never been interested in futuristic things. I mean, I was never interested in people walking on the moon and all that sort of thing. I went to bed, I remember, when it happened. No, I'm not the least interested. Um, but the thing is, when it doesn't work, the point is when you, when you go through all this thing and it doesn't work, you know, that awful join, it was just so embarrassing. I just wanted to put a bag over my head, really. I mean, if you design, you want it to work, don't you? Or you want it to look good, and it didn't. And that was a disappointment. Well, then the next uh, next one up was uh, the Ambassadors of Death, which has just been oh, restored suits. to colour. Yeah, yes, the space suits. Yeah, that was fun. I like that. Well, Michael Ferguson, director, he was lovely. Um, that actually was quite enjoyable. If it hadn't been for Mr. Pertwee, it would have been fine. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not being fair, but um, uh, no, that was that was okay. That was okay. Well, you mentioned Michael Ferguson, uh, the director, um, and. Again, the season that you worked on, it's generally considered that those four directors, Derek Martinez, mm. Timothy Coombe, Michael Ferguson, Douglas Camfield, mm. were, were the sort of, some of the mm. best directors Doctor Who ever had. Mm. Well, Dougie Camp, well Mike, I love Michael Ferguson, and, and Dougie Campfield was absolutely brilliant. He was, he was lovely. Oh, he was, such, he was really professional. He was, well, they were all professional, obviously, but he, he was great. Michael, I, I remember, I remember um, the day before we went filming... I did a final check through the script, and this was in the evening, about 7 o'clock. And I rang Michael up and I said, Michael, I think we are a spacesuit short. And he said, we can't be. And I said, yes, we anyway. He said, OK, right, fine. So I got a friend to help me, and we made a spacesuit overnight. I got to bed at 4 o'clock that morning and went filming at 6. I remember that very, very well. So, you know. Well, thanks for that, because there's some good three shots off them. And it would have been <laughs> if he done that. Um, and, and then, yes, the final one of that series was um, Inferno, uh, on which Douglas Canfield actually fell ill during the shoot. That's right, yes. Um, and you will probably you'll notice that um, I got away with that in the easiest possible way by putting everybody in. They, they had the White Wellingtons and uh, what else did they have? Just ordinary lab coats, as yeah. far as I remember, something yeah. like that. God, how do I remember this so many years ago? Um, but then they turned into werewolves. Yes, they, did they? Yeah, sort of hunchbacked, bearded. Oh yes, oh, I can't remember that at all. Yes, they did, but I can't remember how that happened. Um, <laughs> it wasn't your fault. You, they tampered with the Earth's core. <laughs> if, you, if you say so, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Well, anyway. Um, after 
um, you'd got, gone, you'd left Doctor Who, I guess, vol- um, quite voluntary. Had you had you asked to move on? No, 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 no. It was just it was just I was doing a year. I did do one later on with with, with Tom Baker. Yes, I'm imagining. Did you get dragged? Did you have to get dragged kicking and screaming? Or um, no, because it was only one. It was only one, and that that was bearable. And Tom was gorgeous, lovely, and he was he was great. And no, no, that that was all right. And that was a futuristic one where you dressed Richard Leach as a humbug. Yes, something like that. <laughs> you got you got a good memory. I got. Well, I've, I've seen it relatively recently. And Henry Wolf as the collector with a. Oh, that the collector. Yes, I thought that was quite clever. I put him in a, in a pinstripe caftan. I thought no one, no one ever got the point of that. You know, pinstripe suit, collector, money. You know, no one, no one got it anyway. Oh, oh no! There, there are essays that have been written. Oh really? Oh, you reckon? You reckon? We've, we've you're read jolly the good. <laughs> And, and Louise Jameson, yes. of course, in not much of a costume. Yeah, yeah well, that was nothing to do with me. That was the same. That was the same one. Yes. So that was a happier experience, was it? Ever that case? was a happy experience. Yes. With, with Pennant yes. Roberts directing. That was a happy experience. Yes. Um, well, look, we've, I promise not to spend too much time on Doctor Who because I lured you here because I know that our listeners will be interested in everything around Doctor Who. So um, it was relatively early in your career. How had you got to the BBC, and what had inspired you to do design? I went to art school for five years. Um, I got a teaching degree because my father insisted on it, you know, the usual sort of thing at that time. Um, I worked in the rag trade. I worked um, marginally in the theatre. And then somebody said to me, well, there's a job going in the BBC costume department. I applied and got it. It was, in those days, wasn't it simple? You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and and just not long after you'd done uh, Doctor Who, you did another science fiction thing, like one job you might not remember. Um, featuring a wonderful performance from Robert Lang, a thing called Out of the Unknown. Yeah. The lovely Robert Lang. I, do, I can't remember it at all, actually, but I do remember working with Robert Lang, who was lovely. Brilliant actor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't remember that. Um, now you say the name, I know it, but you know, I remember it, but I don't know it. And of course, you know, you've worked on a number of uh, iconic things, which I guess were just jobs at the time, but you know, you two very different sitcoms are you being served in ever decreasing circles. Oh, yes. I mean, it's. it's as I say, I was slightly surprised that the idea of um, otherworldly design didn't appeal. So what's the appeal of when you're doing something like a sitcom? What's the stuff that you know, excites you to do on, on a day-to-day oh, basis of work? Well, no, if you're employed by the BBC, you're expected to do any show they throw at you. If you've got a gap and there's a, sh- there's a show that needs um, a costume designer, then you do it. And there's no choice. It's not a case of a, of, a, of a choice. You just do what's there, which is very good for you, of course, because you get a completely round, rounded training. Oh no, there's no, there's no, not a question of choice. But, I mean, but, of, but of the interest, what were the things that, that were, were, were enjoyable about those jobs then, or, or were they, um, were they time service to do the more prestigious stuff? Um, no, not really. I mean, it's very, it's very difficult doing modern. People never, never understand this and never believe you, but it's very difficult. It's very, it's not easy putting people in modern dress shows. You know, you can dress somebody as. Somebody maybe cast exactly exactly against, absolutely against type. For instance, a great big burly actor who's meant to be nothing like that at all, and you've got to make—I don't mean literally—you've got to make him look thin or anything like that. But you've got—you often have to dress against the look of the actor, and it's very difficult. You know, if you're not designing a frock, but you're actually buying bits and pieces in, you've got to create a character on your actor. It is—it's—it's it's difficult. 
it's difficult. Well, we will come to it later because you won a BAFTA for um, Fortunes of All, but I have to say I think you deserved one for an ever-decreasing Circles Christmas special where Howard and Hilda had matching jumpers. <laughs> they, but they always had... I, I can't remember where I put them in, but they always had matching jumpers, didn't they? Oh, God, yes, that's serious, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you were, I noticed you worked a lot with um, Stephen Frears as well. Yes, Would yes it, was, it was wonderful working with Stephen Frears and Alan Bennett, of course. Mm. And so, the, the, I mean, period stuff, when you're... There's an onus to get it right. I mean, I guess, do you... We are people who are involved in Doctor Who are certainly used to people writing in and telling us when we've got things wrong. Do you as costume designers have people gleefully writing in going, I think we'll find those buttons were from 1927? Oh, yes, I got wonderful letters from... You know, Major someone of Tumbridge Wells who said in Fortunes of War that um, the captain, whatever the can't remember was, wouldn't have climbed a pyramid in those shoes. And so I wrote back and said, do you think he'd go back to barracks and get his climbing boots, which he wouldn't have been issued with anyway? They write absurd things. And when I was doing the regiment, they said, well, they wouldn't wear oxblood shoes. But actually, they, oxblood shoes were extremely fashionable at that time. They do write stupid things, really. Really. And does it matter? You know, it's not a... It, it, it's... Um, it's a drama documentary. It's not a you know documentary. It's not. It's ridiculous. They don't know when to stop. No. <laughs> Welcome to the world of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, I, I'm on a bound, sadly, to mention um, certain genre programmes that I know the listeners will be interested in, but you might not even remember, like uh, Survivors, which was uh, the oh, post-apocalyptic. Oh yes. Oh yes. But but I but that, that I took over. I certainly didn't design. The original. I just did. I think I did one. I think. You did a couple of episodes. Did a couple of episodes. Lucy Fleming. I remember. Yes. Um, God, I've forgotten all these. No, you said. No, I had nothing particularly. uh, I didn't have much design input into this because it had been established. So really, I I can't claim any. More of a supervisor role. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, And. you know, some one-offs that are great that still turn up every now and again, like The Signalman with Denim Elliott. Oh, oh, yes. Yes, and the, um, the NFT have that on a, on a DVD, yes. Yeah. That, was, that was great. That, yes, I really enjoyed that. I mean, what are, what are the, do, I mean, do you enjoy watching your work back, or is it something you just put away, put back, and, you know... I don't enjoy it. No, I absolutely don't enjoy it, because, you know, you can always do a job better. However well you've done it, you can always do a job better. Always, always, always. And can you watch other stuff with your design switch turned off, or do you find it difficult? You're always impossible. working. It's impossible. It's impossible, really. You'll see, you know, come here BAFTA and see things like, you know, I don't always, I often miss the continuity, perhaps, but, um, yeah, I think, oh, I wouldn't have done that, or, oh, God, I wish I'd thought of that, or... So it's, it's usually with admiration, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that, really. Well, of course, you were involved in the... Um you know, big project of it was the BBC Shakespeare was the Merry Wives of Windsor that you did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We might we might skirt over that. Well, one. no, don't skirt over. It's just that I, I, I um, having seen you know, the recent Richard the Second and Henry the Fifth on television, I think they were done absolutely brilliantly. But I think the series we did then was not very good at all. Really, it was it was not good. I I didn't like it at all. No. Well, I hope you enjoyed Box of Delights with Patrick Trevelyan. Oh. It was heaven, absolute heaven. Yes, that was one of one of the one of the joy. Yes, that was lovely. And do you remember Patrick? Of course, Patrick Doctor Who himself. Was, Patrick was lovely. I remember being quite nervous about meeting him because you know he he, he looked he always looked a bit cross, didn't he? He didn't have a, a friendly face, but when you met him, oh, he was a delight, a charming, charming man, 
wonderful man. Oh, he was a delight, really, and I enjoyed that tremendously. But let's go to um, Fortunes of War because that was quite an extraordinary achievement. So, when you, I, I'm curious as to how you get jobs like that because I'm an actor, I audition for stuff. What did, do you have to do proposals or or spec designs? Or um, anything like I'd that? worked with Jimmy Catherine Jones before, and he asked for me. As simple as that, and I was available. Just luck. Great. Mm. And uh, what's, uh, what sort of sort of preparatory time would you have for a thing like that and how, how involved would the director be or are you pretty much given carte oh, blanche oh, very very much so but but he did give me carte blanche i mean obviously i read the book uh read the books the you know the Balkan trilogy um i did a lot of research around it there was uh, all sorts of books written about Cairo in the war and I, I knew somebody who'd actually been in Cairo in the war my father had been in um in Cairo in the war so i just drew on every Everybody who had any information at all. Um, that was it, really. That, that was the start. That was the start. And I take you got to go out. You, got, you went out on the shoot, and it must have been quite a Oh, long, yes, yes, yes. I went on lots, lots of wreckies, lots of wreckies um, beforehand. Lots and lots of preparation. Lots of, uh, collected lots of original 40s clothes. And it was the sort of start of what the phenomenon that became Ken and M. So did you know that they... That, I mean, was there a sense that these two were going to... Because they did almost take over sort of British acting for about 20 years after they that. Did, well, yes, I think it, it, it's, it's a sort of... It's, it's, it's a fashion thing, isn't it? As soon as you latch on to actors that are, you know, hit the headlines, they immediately become... They were fashionable for a bit. But Ken, such a marvellous actor. Such a wonderful actor. And Emma as well, of course. But uh, she she'd come from... Um, Tutti Frutti. No, Tutti Frutti. It was Tutti Frutti. It was Tutti Frutti. And Ken, of course, well, you know, Shakespearean actor. And, as a, and I have to mention it. We mentioned it before we spoke, and I just mention it now to acknowledge it, not necessarily to draw any comment, but if anybody's not seen it, watch Ronald Pickup's performance in that, because oh, it's absolutely it extraordinary. He was wonderful. He was wonderful. And you do a wonderful thing with him, is that you... He, he dresses it in all this. He's got this wonderful coat, this well, big fur coat course, and the yes. suit. And it's lovely stuff, but he also manages to look so sort of crumpled and shabby in it. Well, but that's why, actually, I, to be honest, I don't think he was broken down enough. But um, if, I, if I did it again, I would have torn it more to pieces. But uh, anyway, you know. It's... <laughs> and, um, I mean, are, are awards important? Did you, I mean, you, you know, you won, you're a BAFTA award-winning costume designer, and that was for fortunes of water things like that you know give you pride and i think it's very useful if you're if you're if you're freelance that's something quite different because of course it puts your your fee up but um at the bbc i don't know um it was very nice look it was very nice to get it and i was very surprised and i'm very pleased with it but uh, you know i could have done a better job well uh, uh, before we round up uh, <laughs> there's, you've said, said that you know, Doctor Who is not the best memory and you didn't think it was the best series in the world. You have, of course, worked on another science fiction time travel series that is slightly less celebrated called Crime Traveller. Do you remember that? <laughs> carnival, carnival films, yes, yes. I, I do remember that, yes, with Michael French. Indeed. Yes, well... Mm. <laughs> I think the look says it all. I'm not responsible for anything. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Brian Eastman had a great input into what Michael French wore. But Brian Eastman likes bright colours, and he um, and I, I, I'm quite the reverse actually. Um, But anyway, he had a big input in that. Yes. Um, So, 
there, there might be stuff we've not covered or stuff that you haven't. Is are there, what are your what do you look back on as your career as the BBC as the highlights in terms of jobs you really enjoyed and jobs that satisfied you? Well, of course, Fortunes of War, um, the Explorers series that, uh, that um, David Attenborough started. I don't remember, we went to Peru to film um, Pizarro. Uh, that was that was an amazing experience. I don't think it looked that marvellous, but um, that was a wonderful experience. What else? Um, well, there was actually so much. It was a very, very happy time. I was there for 20 years, and I think, I, except for one year, I, I loved it. I loved <laughs> it a lot. I loved it a lot. And a lot is talking of, talk spoken about of the, the breakup of the BBC and the way that it did things in, in terms of people served apprenticeships there and that, mm-hmm. their trade, and it was, um, it was unlike now where companies come out free and there's a more there's a more competitive edge if you like mm-hmm. to entertainment where, where do you err on the side of that brings the best quality stuff where it's in-house and where there's that sort of system you worked under well, there's or? No, I mean there's well the thing is there's no trick in the old days um, the BBC was a trading guy you learnt on the hoof I mean there was no better place to learn whether it was costume makeup or anything else I mean they had director's courses at the BBC um, Everything you wanted to know, you learned at the BBC. I mean, I can't speak for ITV or ATV because um, I don't know anything about it, but the BBC was the training ground. And look, all our best, all our film directors came from, most of them came from the BBC. A lot of our costume designers came, a lot of makeup, a lot of, you know. It was, it was a wonderful training ground, and there's nothing, nothing anymore. Nothing anymore. Well, um, we always ask, because you've kindly given your time, you even bought me the cappuccino um, uh, for, f- for free. <laughs> oh, well, we've still I, got I time to ha- hustle that. Um, and the listeners aren't paying. Uh, nobody gets paid for this. So we ask the listeners, therefore, if they will donate to a charity. So if you would like to nominate one. I'd like to, as we're in Ireland, uh, the lifeboats. Good choice. We've not had anyone do the lifeboats before. And um, <laughs> I ask this last question with trepidation because I always ask my victims, as it's being listened to on the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who by Doctor Who fans, uh, if you have a message for all the Doctor Who fans out there, which can be as serious or as frivolous as you like. I wish I could understand your interest in it. I'm, I'm defeated. I cannot understand how anyone could like Doctor Who. I've, haven't, when I left Doctor Who, I haven't seen Doctor Who since I left it. So maybe they'll say, well, perhaps you should. But... Um, I can't understand the enthusiasm for Doctor Who. Well, and that makes the fact that you've taken time out of your day and travelled here and waited and bought me a cappuccino even more special because I know it wasn't something you particularly wanted to talk about. So, Christine Rollins, thank you very much indeed. Well, thank you very much. It's been very entertaining. What a lovely person Christine is, and she's put me in touch with a couple of other people who could well crop up in future Who's Rounds. Can you do the same? If so, contact podcast at bigfinish.com. Podcast at bigfinish.com. You can moan there as well if you like, although I've asked them not to pass on any such emails, so you'll be fulminating into thin air. Uh, Jim Bradshaw put me in touch with Christine. Jim Bradshaw from BAFTA, who's worked very hard on getting some good people uh, lined up for these podcasts, and I'm very grateful to him. Uh, Christine's charity is the Lifeboats, or rather the RNLI, who can be found at www.rnli.org. 
that's www.rnli.org. Now, my next guest has done everything from being the InVision continuity announcer for Southern Television to playing King Lear for the Royal Shakespeare Company, which is the very definition of an eclectic career. He recalls not getting on with one doctor, sharing treats with another, and towering over Jean-Claude Van Damme. We might be heading for the biggest Toby Haydokes who's round in history. Next time... Violence of your people sickens us. Leave us now. Leave us to the sands of life. But you don't understand what you're doing could endanger. Leave us. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who: War Against the Lama. Must be one of the Elder Larm, the second of the three. Get back, everyone. Open fire! No! Get back! It's happening again. Get out of here now! The war with the Larm is about to begin, unless we can put a stop to it. I want that creature cut open. I want to know what makes it tick. If that creature is killed, the entire Larm race will attack. If all of them go on the warpath at once, then there's no chance, you understand me? There won't be time for you to commit genocide. There won't be time for you to do anything except to die. Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydoke, T-O-B-Y-H-A-D-O-K-E. That's at Toby Adoke, T-O-B-Y-H-A-D-O-K-E. And my website is at www.tobyhadoke.com.